Oh, shoot, I didn't do the intro. Uh, that's all right. We'll skip the intro. Eh, you can do it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Growing With Fishes podcast. Let's see if I can get this to work in time. everybody thanks for joining us this week we have uh, leo bridgewater this week uh joining us he's going to talk to us uh about a couple of uh different things going on as well as uh, uh actually a whole bunch of different topics uh we, we originally had kind of had one thing in mind and and came up with a whole bunch more right before the podcast so it's going to be pretty cool to, to jam out we're actually from uh uh not too far away from each other where, where he currently is is where, not too far from where i grew up so it'll be a lot of fun uh, today. So uh, welcome to the Growing with Fishes podcast. Um, we talk about uh, aquaponic uh, uh, sustainable soil and um, regenerative cannabis topics each week, uh, as well as extraction and, and occasionally cannabis culture as well. Uh, and then uh, all, now and then some aquaponics is uh, on top of that. So uh, thanks a lot for joining us. Um, we're, uh, first off, I just wanted to mention, uh, uh, I guess the, the initial thing that brought us up for the, for the show this week. Oh, Actually, before we get to that, big shout out to um, Jesse uh, from uh, Jelly, I'm sorry, Jelly Bomb. I want to make sure I get this right. <laughs> up the, uh, the links here before the show, so I don't have it in front of me. But if you check out the description, we do have a new store uh, that you can buy merch available if you're looking for more merch. Uh, we have uh, for the first time, um, t-shirts and hoodies and stuff available. If you guys are looking uh, to buy anything like that, it helps support the show, it helps pay for the website and for hosting and all the different things. Uh, we haven't actually uh, had any kind of way for people to, to support the show directly. Um, so we figured rather than just asking you guys for donations, we try to do something a little bit cooler. So uh, I know she has some some other cool uh, clothing stuff that's in the, in the works, but for right now we have the t-shirts and the hoodies. I know we have some socks and some scarves and some hats and some other cool stuff coming down the line as well. Um, but uh, for now, we just have the t-shirts. So check that out if it's something you're interested in. And then, um, yeah. So thanks a lot for watching. And um, so this week, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about there's a federal cannabis lawsuit, um, Washington versus uh, William Barr, uh, which is basically um, a big lawsuit about whether or not uh, the government can continue to maintain Schedule 1 uh, for cannabis. Um, if this, uh, it's going to be heard tomorrow, October 9th by the Supreme Court. Uh, if they choose to take the uh, case on uh, and they decide uh, against the government, it would, you know, potentially immediately uh, deschedule cannabis, uh, both recreational and medical. Um, and it's on the basis that there's absolutely no way that they can continue to argue that it is Schedule 1 when 38 states and jurisdictions across the United States actually allow it. Um, so uh, you also have 94% of, uh, of the country thinks it should be at least uh, uh, decriminalized. So, you know, they, they, they have absolutely no argument. So uh, it's going to be held tomorrow. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to, to see that. It's uh, Marvin Washington versus William Barr. Um, so uh, really exciting, and um, uh, we thought we'd get a really awesome guest uh, on the show. Uh, thanks to my friend Liz Blaze for uh, 
helping facilitate tonight's show. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, thanks a lot for, for joining us, Leo. Uh, that's how we, we came to you. Uh, uh, Leo is a, um, a cannabis reporter. Uh, he uh, was formerly an army specialist who served multiple tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, he was also uh, one of the army's highest ranked officers in communications um, uh, during that time which is super awesome. Um, uh, he also uh, uh, is a, uh, speaks a lot about uh, veterans and with, for PTSD. He experienced PTSD uh, coming back from, from, uh, from combat and um, he's done a lot of work for veterans, uh, especially in that space. So um, uh, thanks a lot for, for helping our, our veterans and help kind of undo the, the screwed up stuff our government has done to you guys. And uh, <laughs> kind of always great way to kind of help fight that directly and find people that are doing that. So. Thanks a lot for coming on the show and thanks for uh, talking to us about this and uh, uh, especially on uh, the day right before it's going to be heard. We thought it'd be uh, great to hear from someone like yourself. So thanks a lot. Wow. Thanks for having me. And, and I really appreciate, you know, being here and having the opportunity to speak on, you know, the myriad of, 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 of new subjects we found to talk about tonight. <laughs> but I uh, just want to reintroduce myself. My name is, uh, hi everybody. My name is Leo Bridgewater. I am the, National Director of Veterans Outreach with Minorities for Medical Marijuana. I also am the Chief Innovation Officer for CWCB Education. And I am a cannabis advocate and entrepreneur. You know, I testified in Senate Committee to have post-traumatic stress disorder added as a qualifying condition to the New Jersey Medical Marijuana Program. And in 2016, then Governor Chris Christie signed our bill into law. And then subsequent from that, I'm also one of the, I've given testimony in one of the plaintiffs in the lawsuit that Steve just referred to re, in, uh, challenging the constitutionality of cannabis being a schedule one drug. And as, as was said before, we're gonna find out tomorrow if this, you know, the Supreme Court is actually gonna take on the case. And so we're excited, you know, um, one of the, the things that was uh, a little bit of an update, you know, it's a very rare thing for a case to have an amicus brief attached to it. You know, you, it's a rare thing to get one. In our case, we have 17. And so, yeah, 17. And seven of them were written by members of Congress. The most recent one represented Blumenauer from out in, I think, Oregon. You know, and so, <clears throat> you know, there's a, a lot of momentum with this, you know, um, it's, you know, at this time, you know, when you think about it, you know, the entire country now qualifies for a medical marijuana card just off of anxiety, <laughs> you know, PTSD, post-traumatic stress corona, you know, keep call it whatever you want, you know, and so the time for oxymoronic politics is over if we as a country are going to ever recover, fully recover from this, it's going to require everybody. You know what I'm Matter of fact, let me take that back. It's going to require a body, <laughs> you know, um, because we can't have people in jail for a plant no more. Like that, like it's not even cool no more. Like, come on, you know? And so um, in the state of New Jersey, we are voting for adult use cannabis. Uh, it's on the ballot here for November 3rd. So those that are in this area in New Jersey, please make sure you, if you're gonna vote in by mail, turn your, your, your voter card around. It's on the back, it's question number one, please vote yes. And 
you know, uh, everyone else. Uh, and also the last day to register to vote is October 13th. So make sure you get out and make sure you register to vote. And, you know, let's make this, this is, there's, there's some really historical things that are happening in the next, you know, these next few months on top of the fact that all this happening in the midst of a pandemic. So, boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> I think that the pandemic, though, is going to end up being kind of a weird Trojan horse to, to full legalization because you're going to see a lot of states that, frankly, run out of run out of revenue. You know, what what other pools of tax income aside from liquor and cannabis do these these states have when because they don't have movie theaters, they don't have casinos, they don't have big events, they don't have hotels, they don't have conventions, they don't have a lot of those other pools of cash and, and, and a lot of other just commerce has slowed down uh, at the retail level that, that that's also been, you know, taxed traditionally in order to fill those co tax coffers. And, and, you know, cannabis really gives them a way to kind of, you know, fill some of those coffers in a way that doesn't upset people, you know, at least en masse. So uh, well, what's I think interesting and, and, you, and, and you're, you're, you're on a good, you're, you're definitely on a good path. I mean, what's interesting is that, um, a few weeks ago, the governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, uh, you know, we had a budget, you know, and and he let us know, you know, real talk, you know, we, we like four billion light in the ass on the budget, you know, and, you know, when you talk about cannabis legalization, particularly in the state of New Jersey, you know, if New Jersey does this correctly, we leapfrog everyone and go straight to number two behind California because we're sandwiched between the number four media market in the country, which is Philadelphia, and the number one cannabis consuming city in the world, which is New York City. We have a population of 9 million people and we get 110 million visitors a year. So, and mind you, New York State doesn't allow for flower and, they're medical, and they just have medical. You know, Pennsylvania only has medical. And so when you're talking about still trying to assess the collateral damage from this COVID pandemic, mind you, we're not even on the other side of it as of this time in time. You see what I'm saying? We, we're still in it. This is only October 8th, 2020. We still, this ain't over yet. So we don't even have the final number of the damage. And let's take into account what has happened. Well, the GDP shrunk by 32% in a quarter, but the stock market didn't have a comparable contraction in that same kind of time frame. So these Fortune 500 companies, particularly the tech ones, have figured out how to make money without people. And just a few months ago, 50 million people applied for unemployment benefits. You know, what percentage of those people are going to have jobs to go back to once the lights are fully on? What's the percentage? And, 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 and mind you, our industry is still in its infancy. So we're one of those few industries that is, is still going to be in need of human hands. So what COVID-19 did was <clears throat> COVID literally closed the door on that first generation plant touching cannabis entrepreneur, you know, and, and, and so now all of us, black, white, whatever, all of us, now we are charged with building the infrastructure for that first generation worker bee, you know what I'm saying, that workforce. And, and listen, 50 million people apply for unemployment benefits. So that first generation workforce is gonna be multi-generational. 
there's going to be people 45 and 50 whose bosses are like 23 and 26. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's going to be that kind of thing fresh out. We don't, this industry is so infant. We don't even have an industry standard unit of measurement yet. <laughs> That's how baby we are. And so when you talk about cannabis legalization, you're not just talking about facilitating a cultural shift in how we view this plant. We're also talking about facilitating a massive, massive transfer of wealth. Logistically, it almost cannot be quantified. And so there's a lot of decisions that have to be made. There's a lot of logistical aspects that need to be talked about. There's some very, very difficult conversations that have to be had. You know, and uh, <clears throat> if there's one thing that I've learned from my time in the military is that we only know success one way. We've always got, uh, known success one way, together. We've always done it together. And for this right here, you know, if, if we're gonna, if we're gonna really make it out on the other side of this and doing well, we all, we, we need everybody, all hands on deck. Awesome. Yeah, I, I was just looking at uh, some some more of the details here on on all the different work that's going into to getting this case together. But to, to speak to your point earlier is that I think a lot of people don't realize how many jobs are created by the oh. cannabis industry that aren't directly people that are employed by it. You know, the when you look at all these buildings have to have electrical done and, and HVAC done and plumbing done and have to be inspected and all the kitchens have to be food safety inspected and, 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 mm -hmm. and all the sales to make that happen and, and all the workers that have to go get lunch and, 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 and have to go get, you know, different parts for their car because they're going back and forth and it just creates this enormous, you know, um, uh, you know, um, ripple of jobs around it that are the support businesses that, that allow the business to even happen the packaging guys and and the guys exactly. that packaging machines and the guys exactly. you know, things like that that people don't realize that you know there's so many jobs that are created and there, there's very few, again going back to what i was saying you know there's few things that the politicians can do that would overnight create as many jobs as well so between that and the fact that it's a tax revenue pool that they can kind of pick out of pretty much at will, it really creates a lot of strong political incentive regardless of, of political affiliation across the board to, to try and get some of the stuff finally passed. And I think that- See, you know, remember, I live in New Jersey. And so New Jersey is considered the medicine cabinet of the country, you know? And, and so when you talk, again, when we talk in legalization, we're messing with three types of money here, okay? We're messing with old money. That's the pharmaceutical industry. They've been operating in this state for generations. Then you're messing with long money. That's the alcohol industry, okay? Cannabis does affect that too. And then the third is big money. And that would be the prison industrial complex because they've been thriving as well. And so, you know, nothing for nothing, you know, um, like lawmakers here still use the term gateway drug. And so, you know, when you talk about cannabis legalization, it's like we're asking a bunch of Flintstones to write the rules to a Jetsons game. And what this requires of us is 
this requires of us now to think five and 10 generations down the road. And if things, and, and things need to make, the things that make sense now, if they don't make sense then, there needs to be mechanisms put in place so that those generations can make those necessary changes so that it would be reflective of the time. You know, when you talk about, you know, uh, social justice and minority inclusion and equity stake, you know, recognize those are just American issues. You know, and in this country, we have ways of, you know, everyone's building out their teams. They got like a quarterback with wide receiver and, and an O-line and a monster defense. And then they run out onto the field when they get that license and realize the rest of the world plays the other football. They play soccer. And this is a global game. And so if this whole situation was a television show, you know, me and you are in season eight, episode six. They're in season one, episode four. Spoiler alert, it's not a gateway drug. That's the season finale in season one. You know, think, think along those lines. And the people, and just to be even more clear, the, the, the people in, in, in Colorado, total cannabis revenue was a billion dollars. Ancillary businesses made 1.5. So understand the people who you, you, the people who actually make the most money don't necessarily touch the plant. Sort of kind of like with the California gold rush. The folks who sold that, the, the shovels and the, the wood and the jeans, they made more money than the people who actually touched the gold. So it's the same thing. It's the same principle here. And this, is, this industry is not defined by education yet, <laughs> but it's catching up. It's catching up really fast. So tell us a little bit more about this this court case for those people that don't know and what, what would be kind of the implications of it. I, I think you have a much better understanding of this than I do and I don't want to go ahead and make some uh, uh, off statements. So I think that you, you'd be a, a much better person to ask. So tell us kind of, you know, say let's uh, maybe the two different scenarios if this passes or if it, if it doesn't pass tomorrow. Okay, well, tom tomorrow's decision is just all we're, we, all we're hoping for is they the, the Supreme Court decides that they will take on the case, that they will hear the case, you know, and that's going to be huge. If that happens, that's when it's like, all right, y'all, now it's really on deck. This is the, this, if, if the Supreme Court decides to take on this case, this will be the single greatest shot to federally legalize cannabis that we will ever come to in our lifetimes. You know what I'm saying? So far, you see what I'm saying? This is the greatest shot we have. And what we are doing is we are challenging the constitutionality of cannabis being a schedule one drug. In order to be a schedule one drug, that drug has to have, has to be highly addictive, offer zero medicinal value, and I forget what the third thing is. All of them don't apply to weed. And so <laughs> that's just bottom line. And so it's kind of oxymoronic that cannabis is scheduled at a, at a much higher rate than crack cocaine. You know what I'm saying? 
And, you know, and the thing is, is that, you know, if you if it has zero medicinal value, then how you how is it you, you got 33 states that got medical marijuana programs? You know, when, when the one good one of the good things that happened with this pandemic is that it proved to the rest of the world that cannabis is pandemic proof. You see what I'm saying? And then and and let us and let them tell it. You know what I'm saying? Cannabis might have something to do with fighting the shit, fighting COVID. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, you know, but the thing is, is that, you know, at first you had some states who deemed us non-essential. Then we became essential. You see what I'm saying? Like, come on, this is, you know, and so if the, and that's what the Supreme Court is going to have to be reviewing on top of all of the science that is now, that's been there for generations as well. You know, so it doesn't make sense. And, you know, what we what we did was we had to petition the, D, the DEA to, you know, use its administrative procedures to have cannabis rescheduled. And that took years, you know. And so now, and this endeavor has been, literally has been a years, and I mean years in plural, years long endeavor, you know. And it's, you know, Marvin Washington, Alexa Bartel, myself, you know, Jake Plow and Nelson Guerrero, all of us with the Cannabis Cultural Association, we're signed on with this with this lawsuit as well. And so all of us, you know, Alexis Bartel is a young lady who can't, who's basically a cannabis, you know, uh, refugee. She cannot leave, leave the state of Colorado and go back home to Texas because she needs her cannabis and she can't travel with it, which is why she couldn't come to D.C. to, to testify against Congress and her parents had to do it. It's, you know, and, 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 you know, and in my case, you know, having dealt, having dealt with post-traumatic stress disorder and, and actually, you know, lost a job with Amazon because I was a medical marijuana patient, you know, these are all things that have, you know, and, and my other battle buddy, Jose Baylin, you know, these are all the things that we are bringing, all the different variables that we're all bringing our contribution to this case being heard before the, the United States Supreme Court. Yeah, hopefully they'll uh, they'll take it. So, so say that it goes through and they decide to take it. What what are kind of the implications if they decide for it against it? Uh, you know, mm. say uh, in that scenario. So, to give people a, a, I'll answer that, but let me give you a timeline perspective. Okay, so tomorrow they decide to hear the if they decide to hear the case. Sorry, um, if they decide. If they decide to hear the case tomorrow, then um, February they'll probably start arguments. June will get a decision, you know. And so, if the decision, if the if the if the Supreme Court rules in our favor, then literally cannabis is legal <laughs> in all its form. You know what I'm saying? Like that's it. It's not a Schedule One drug. You know what I'm saying? So then it's going to be incumbent upon the states to enact whatever laws that they're going to have because all we've done is just had cannabis legalized federally. You, you see what I'm saying? Now, the good news is, is that, you know, at some point, you know, um, that's when federal agencies will have to get involved with this, with, with the actual, you know, oversight of cannabis. Who would it fall under? It should fall under the Department of Agriculture, but 
again, we're dealing with Flintstones and Jetsons, so who knows, you know. Um, and then states themselves will have to start enacting, you know, laws. And I'm, I'm, listen, that means like people who are in jail for just cannabis only and everything like that, time to go, got to get them out. You know, so on, on, with, as far as the federal charges go, you know, again, states have to do their own thing in terms of expungement. So it's not like, you know, people will be walking out of jail that day or anything like that. But it, it, we're going to have to, st- and here's the thing, we're going to have to start having things for these people who are going to be coming out of jail to do too, you know. But what we've also done is we've taken away a major, major tool that police officers have been able to use to enforce on a particular group of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, like these are all like, when you think about the ripple effects and everything, you know, it, the ripple effects will be mighty, but they will be long overdue, long, long, long overdue. This never should. And just for future, and just for reference, you know, take a look at the Schaefer Commission and look at the LaGuardia report. You know, it tells it'll tell you just how far back that you know uh, people have been petitioning the United States government on the medical efficacy of cannabis and him. And uh, and and so I a um, uh, on that note, what type of um, social equity uh, programs is is New Jersey looking into? I know they're voting on. Um, a legalization is that a part of any of the the bills or any, is there any efforts for that in, in New Jersey? Mm. I know they, there's a they, in California. No, like like put like this, there have not been any real meaningful discussions here. A lot of it has to do with this, and, and the reasons being the variables are are, are different, but there's there are two types of variables. Um, the meaningful to why there hasn't been meaningful discussions. One barrier is lack of education and uh, particular, you know, uh, prejudice here. Okay. And then the second reason is uh, lack of education and self-inflicted wounds. And so, and that, and that, and that's, and the reason why I have to say it that way is because there's New Jersey overall, perspective and then there's the African-American community perspective and in and in and on both fronts there's been failures on on from leadership on both fronts and that's why I said you know there's going to have to be some very very difficult and uncomfortable conversations that need to be had but the best part about cannabis is that it makes the strangers the bedfellows smoke a joint I bet you'll come up with something Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so um, I know I understand that you do a lot of, of, of local outreach. We were actually talking a little bit about that before the show on, on how you do a lot of uh, work on that. Why don't you tell us a little about more some of your efforts there uh, in that direction? Because I know you. Yeah, sure. Quite- you know, so, um, you know, as National Director of Veterans Outreach with Minorities for Medical Marijuana, I sit on a number of boards. I sit on the advisory board for the CWCB Expo, which is, you know, one of the largest cannabis and hemp trade shows in the country. You know, we have shows in LA, Boston, and New York. And uh, I also, um, um, and one of the things that I do is, you know, fighting for uh, veterans benefits. And one of the things that I'm proud of that I was able to do here is to get the 
uh, Department of Labor to authorize dispensaries as uh, for vote rehab. And that and vote rehab is a program with the VA. It's called vocational rehabilitation, where you know veterans, you know, um, get can get a job, you know, at a designated place. And the because the Department of Labor authorizes it, the VA will then uh, allow that veteran to access their GI bill, their GI bill benefits to be able to uh, uh, schools like Oaksterdam and Cloverleaf, they're now authorized by the VA for, for GI Bill. So you can use your tuition to get that GI Bill. But what also does is they also, uh, for every veteran you business owner hires, they get a, a, a payroll tax break and it compounds per veteran. And so, and the VA also actually buys whatever equipment that veteran needs to do their job. And so there's some, you see how there's a, 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 it actually pays in the long run to actually start hiring your veterans. And so um, making that happen and then running some job fairs at Harmony Dispensary up in Secaucus, New Jersey and working with Justice Grown here in Ewing, you know, it's, it's you know, like they're, they're really, you know, like we're starting the, the, that, that, that infrastructure and groundwork, I'm actually doing it. It's actually, you know, in, in this is not theoretical here. <laughs> it's actually going on. That's awesome. Yeah, I often suggest people hire veterans, especially for security. You know, they have all the weapons training. They have all the background checks. They have all the stuff you need in most states for them to pass whatever, the, you know, certifications they need to be in armed security. Dude, they sit on security clearances. Exactly. With, with flying colors, you don't have to worry about but, it. And yeah. not only that, like, they love Look an easy it. job where they deal with stoners that the worst thing they do is someone yelling because somebody screwed up a grow. Like, that compared to what they've been through, that ain't shit. Like, that's an mm -hmm. easy job. And, and not only that, they'll tell you immediately if someone's creeping on the property or someone's, you know, scouting the property, they're going to know immediately. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're trained to look at that type of stuff. You know, that's just exactly. by virtue. But listen, there is no job in this United States that you don't have, that the military doesn't have. So we've done every job. You know, the one thing that we've all done, you know, is we have a work ethic, you know, and, 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 and we... What, when I travel around the country, right, because I do speeches and stuff like that, right, and when I look at the current racial and political climate of this country, I'm learning that people tend to lean more towards the word of a veteran before a politician these days, you know, and, and when you think about it, it's like, oh, okay, I know why, because they know we're going to tell it. <laughs> we're not going to BS you, we're not going to try to, you know, put some hot sauce on the story or nothing like that, nah, it's, we're just going to tell it. You know, and, you know, listen, for the amount of time that we've been on the phone, I mean, been talking to each other, I have literally given you a much better rate of return on your investment taxpaying citizen than a suicide. And we're at 22 veteran suicides a day. It's five a week here in New Jersey, you know. And so, you know, one of the things that I've also learned is that people really did think that PTSD was just a veteran only thing. And it's like, hell no, you know, you can go from one end of Stuyvesant to the other and you got PTSD, you know? So, it, you know, again, these are all things, like education, edu all roads, as far as the ills of the cannabis industry and advocacy, all roads lead back to education or lack thereof. 
Absolutely. And, and that's really an area where I think that it does give a lot of opportunity to a lot of people that maybe are skilled growers or skilled hash makers or skilled edible makers. Absolutely. I know that's how I got really good on it. And, and growing up in Philly, we all had access to the same supply, but I got really good at making edibles allegedly. So, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so it's how you learn how to, how to do it. But, you know, I'm sure there's a bunch of people that have a bunch of cool techniques and methods that, that they've developed that might be really interesting that people haven't developed yet that you just don't have the ability to or they can't tell mm -hmm. nobody you know mm -hmm. i remember back back when i lived on the east coast there was three other people on the planet that knew i even knew how to grow right like see yeah see and 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 now and and the thing is is that you know like one of the things i loved about you know um going to Amsterdam because I used to go to Amsterdam like twice a year like I used to I like always made sure I made it to Amsterdam for the cannabis cup because that was always like the same week of Thanksgiving and so I would just fly in that that Saturday before and bounce out like that Tuesday or Wednesday during you know what I'm saying and I learned you know like what it is is it because it was counterculture it's, it's, as long as it's not counterculture like Kids over there in Europe don't really mess with weed like that. Not in Amsterdam. They just think of something old people do. I'm not saying that they don't ever, but they just, they're not, it's not a counterculture thing. And so again, that's why I said we're, we're also facilitating a cultural shift in how we view this plant. And listen, me and you've been saying, all we've been saying is cannabis, cannabis, cannabis. We ain't even touch on him. And that's the long money. That's the trillion dollar you know, industry right there, you know how much stuff can be done with him? Do you know what, you know, like I look at those wildfires out there in, 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 Cal in California and I'm just like, okay, yeah, replace all them trees with him. We'll grow that shit back in 90 days. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you, you like, not, I, not only that, but on that same note, those houses made of hempcrete wouldn't burn. That's, and, and, and listen, hempcrete is how we can rebuild the hood. You know what I'm saying? Even better cheaper you see what i'm saying you know like 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 what is required particularly here on the east coast is we just need we need a a municipality to just embrace this industry in all its forms you, you understand what i'm saying you know like and, and the crazy part is i was telling this to some city council members that i'm not talking about a grant or a program you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about industry. Industry, okay? They're like a, a, a whole industry. And, you know, like, and, and it's, again, dealing with Flintstones. It's like, oh my goodness, like, this is, and, and the crazy part is, is Trent, New Jersey is ranked the number 18 most IT prepared city in the country. <laughs> Can you dig it, right? Oh yeah. And not only that, like even, even back in the day, there was quite a few hydro stores around the Philly, New Jersey area, like even before. And we also like, I worked in the pet trade. We, mm -hmm. our pet store had a full, basically grow store section. We had plant nutrients that we sold them for your planted aquarium, but they sure as hell weren't really for your planted aquarium. We'd also sell you a thousand watt light kits with, with air ventilation and carbon filters for your reef tank. <laughs> You can, <clears throat> you used to have to, I remember back in the day, you used to have to go to, you have to source your equipment from different places. 
you couldn't buy it all at one spot because then you know like the 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 the, the, the thinking was the, the cops is watching the credit card machines and if they see a certain a certain combination of purchases made you on a list <laughs> oh yeah no you buy everything in cash you buy no more than two items per location you hit like yep. 10 places and you make sure you stop and go have dinner at mom's house from where you go you go directly to mom's house for dinner before you go home and wherever wherever yeah you, know, you go see a movie really make sure no one's following you you know yep. Yep. <laughs> it, 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 it's like you know like now imagine we imagine not having a role like that imagine 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 how much better of a worker you'd be you know what I'm saying how motivated took me years to turn all that off when I moved out west and 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 and, and that's what's coming you, you see what I'm saying and so the thing about it is is that that also is why education is even more important you know because people are coming here with a warped sense of how things work you know and we have to reel that in and say whoa 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 wait 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 you know like for instance you know, I'll give you a, a perfect example of the type of people we're dealing with, okay? Remember when I told you that New Jersey is voting for this in, on November 3rd, right? And and I told everybody, hey, those who are in the area, turn your card around. It's, you know, question number one. Do you want to know what question number one is? This gives you an idea of how people here think. Question number one is, should the state of New Jersey tax and regulate a form of marijuana called cannabis. <laughs> we had a, uh, you want to hear on the same level of crazy and it's actually in the same area. So Philadelphia wanted to ban the ownership of any, you know, venomous creatures, right? So they wanted to make it so you couldn't have like a venomous snake or right. scorpion or whatever. So what did they do? The lawyers wrote it, ban anything with a venom gland and ban beekeeping in Philadelphia. And it was like, it was clearly not the intention of it. But, you know, these these guys just, just were too broad spectrum. And when you have lawyers instead of biologists writing legal language, same thing like Denver wanted to ban the ownership of Komodo dragons, which are already federally restricted, right? So they're already like really hard, even in the in the... I worked in the pet trade, even on the less the legal side of things and the pet trade, they're really hard to come by, like in general, right. they're, they're never less than eight or $9,000 for a little one if they do come around. Right. But they wanted to make them illegal. So they banned the genus Varanus, banning all monitor lizards, including the ones sold in pet stores. And it was like, it's just, again, another example of when you got, and the same thing happens with cannabis legislation or plant legislation or hemp legislation. You know, that this whole hang up on, on 0.3% THC is just ridiculous. Oh, listen, well, the, the mistake that, you know, like the mistake that, that lawmakers, and this is throughout the country and you'll see it. Um, the mistake that's made is that they make a differentiation between cannabis and hemp. You know what I'm saying? There shouldn't be a differentiation. Honestly, it's all the same freaking plant. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, 0.03 and all that stuff. That's the abomination that you're forcing upon people. You know what I'm saying? That's the abomination that, you know, like, like in all honesty, 
you know, CBD is an abomination of the actual plant itself because you took away an aspect because you don't feel, because you feel some kind of way. It, it like, like the science of it all, you know, has had, had take got had, um, have been stripped away and people fought, fell for the whole, you know, propaganda aspect, you know, making, cause you know, and, and listen, it was a great tool. It worked. Look at what it did to look at what it did to my people in this country. Look at what the prohibition on cannabis has done. You know what I'm saying? It the vilification of it has been it's so bad that even today, you know, the number one hardest group of people to talk to about cannabis legalization is black church people. Most folks don't realize black church people are way more conservative than what you would see on Fox News. And people like and and you know if you think about it, the black churches consider the gatekeepers to the African American community traditionally. You know what I'm saying? And so when you think about you know the illegalities of the plant, you know what I'm saying, and what it's done to 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 the African American community, you know it's killed people, it's broken up homes, it's thrown a lot of us in jail. You know what I'm saying? All for what? You know, and and we now know, you know, at one point a president, you Nixon, decided that this would be a great tool to get at us. So I don't like using the term reparations when talking about cannabis legalization, because when you talk reparations and cannabis, you know, you devalue the term reparations. Cannabis can never pay back what is owed to Black people as a whole in terms of reparations. But I do like talking about restitution, though. <laughs> well, I, think, I, think where I think that it's a great thing for things like social equity can help. Exactly. Sure are enforced and that that money is going back into the communities that have been victimized. And I think and it's a way that we can actually do it through policy in an easy way that that we can do immediately. And, and we'll and see. And you're at, but see, the thing is, is we're victim. We're falling we're, we're, right now. You know, history is not going to be kind to, to black leadership in the cannabis space politically. Um, and that's because they're still they still subscribe to the gateway drug theory and whatnot. And they also subscribe to decriminalization, which is what they're pushing for. One of the things they're pushing for in lieu of a bill or anything like that. The thing about it is, is that there is not one example in these United States where decriminalization of cannabis has ever worked for black people, black and brown people. I mean, New York City has been decriminalized since the 70s, and they still lead the nation in arrest for small amounts of cannabis. You know, what we need, what we really, and, and anybody who really understands that, you know, say, well, no, that's old information that we always knew. But you hear politicians say that because it's the safe word. You have to understand. In most of these states, cannabis is only that much of what they think about on a day-to-day -day basis. You know what I'm saying? These politicians, they, they, matter of fact, you know, I learned that these politicians don't even read half the stuff that they put into these bills. It's their staffers that do it for them. You have to submit, like we've literally had to submit, you know, uh, bill language. If there's one thing that this whole journey has taught me, it's been the greatest civics lesson of my life. You know, and, you know, these politicians, you know, there's, there, you know, we have one guy, his name is Senator Ron Rice. 
this dude was a, a a Vietnam veteran, okay, and 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 he voted no on PTSD. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and and they mix social equity and 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 social justice as one and the same. And so, until there's some social justice, there's not going to be a talk about you know African American inclusion in the space from an economic industry perspective. You know. Again, a lot of Flintstones. Listen to Joe Biden. You know, even though Kamala said, yeah, we're going to decriminalize marijuana and everything like that. When you listen to Joe talk about it, the first few words that fly out of his mouth is rehab. So they still think uh, us addicts. Well, and Kamala helped put a bunch of people like, you know, just so that people don't think I'm, I'm totally left or right. Kamala helped put a bunch of people in jail and then laughed about it when, when it interviewed about uh, how, why she put those people in jail. She laughed about it. Which exactly. Was infuriating. Like, I was so upset when they picked her because she's a, she's a, I would, I'd love to see a woman of color be the VP or even president, but she's not a good representation of, of, of you know, powerful, powerful women in politics. I think there's better people that could have represented her you know the people better you know and hey whatever she, she, she's not terrible but i think especially given the fact that she was a prosecutor it has put a lot of people from both the cannabis industry and you know minorities and other other groups in jail and then laughed about it on camera is is just not a good example of the person you want to put forth to try and you know rein this stuff in you know what i i i, I get it you know what i'm saying 10 million percent get it you know what i mean but in comparison to oh yeah no in comparison to a dominionist it's like basically uh yeah like like short of a terrorist bomber yeah like 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 um like I'm just like listen you know like look bro look everybody has a line that even they wouldn't cross you got one you know what I'm saying I don't know what your line is I mean you 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 know you don't oh, no, fight in front of old I didn't, people I didn't say no I no 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 hear me out to stop the stop what's going on but at the same time you know she's not who I think should be representing us either I guess is my point yeah but the problem is is we ain't got no other choice <laughs> oh no but it's between that and you know whatever exactly you know what I'm saying <laughs> Yeah, and 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 considering it's like okay, you know, like you know, look, just to get him out of there, I, okay, fine, yeah, <laughs> he got to go. You understand what I'm saying? You know, uh, I and I and and the way I see it is that you know, um, what we should have been doing and what I, well, what I've been doing this entire the the entire time Trump has been in in in, in office is I've been doing the entrepreneurial you know route in terms of building my own business, building my own brand. You know what I'm saying? We just launched Bridge H2O. It's a strain that came out this past April. It's a heavy indica, you know, um, and you can get it at Harmony, you know, uh, Alternative Treatment Center in Secaucus if you're a registered medical marijuana patient. We, when I got into this program, there were only 7,000 people registered for the New Jersey Medical Marijuana Program. Bruh, we at 90,000 now. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, when you look at, especially when you look at from this uh, this election cycle and everything, it's not that we need cannabis to, to we, it's not that we need them to legalize it. You know, right now it's polling at like 64% of New Jerseyans are for adult use in this state. You know, what we need is we need that, we need that to pass overwhelmingly. 
And the reason why we need that to be an overwhelmingly pass is because what that gives you, that gives you a thing called political clout. You see what I'm saying? Because now what you become, we what we become is a voting block. You understand what I'm saying? When you get, you know, six million people vote yes on cannabis, <laughs> whoa. You see what I'm saying? That's a different, that's a whole nother. You know, and that's what, and and that's the thing that I am after right now. You see what I'm saying? Because that's where you start to be able to build the 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 you, like from an inside out. That's where the infrastructure, uh, meaningful infrastructure stuff, really starts to take place. Well, that and just to circle back to what we were saying earlier, if we, you know, by ensuring that there are dispensaries in these areas, it means that the jobs that we were talking about that come along with the support network for those businesses are also in those areas. And, and by doing so, it helps pump money into those communities. And I guess that's kind of my overarching point on, on why that you have to make sure that these areas that have been traditionally victimized by law You would be wise to do that. You would be wise to think that. You're absolutely right. But here's the thing. This is New Jersey. Right now, you got 40 towns, 40 whole municipalities that's like, yo, not in our town. They doing stuff like they 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 exing themselves out. They don't that's, even want it. That's a big issue is that you have to ban local control. Local control has to be abolished and, in the same way that, that you cannot legally ban a gas station or a liquor store. Or, yep. or a phone company or anything else. It's, it's a service. It's a medicine. I never got a chance to vote on, on the opioid dispensary down mm -hmm. the street for me. You know, when, when do I get a vote on that? Because I'm going to mm -hmm. vote against it. I want to ban them all. They're killing Listen. What, where's my vote? When, when do I get a vote on that? <laughs> it's a legitimate it's, thing. No, 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 no. That's, where, I, when did I get to vote on the fentanyl dispensary? For real. It's, it's legit. Yup. And, and the thing is, is that, but that's how, see how, see how normalized this is. And then they stand there and they're wondering how we ended up in the opioid abuse and addiction epidemic. You see what I'm saying? Like, like Steve, yo, dog, dog, the VA mails us in some cases, the VA mails us those pills now. That's how bad it is, you know, and, but you want, and then you want to play, and then you want to mess around with this. This is the one thing that's addressing it. States that had states that use, that, that have, you know, uh, thriving, you know, medical marijuana programs are seeing a, a, a drop in the, no, in the number of opioid abuse and addiction incidences, like up to like 25%. You know what I'm saying? They also seen the number, a drop in the number of scripts being written as well. So come on, man. Like, you can't like, like, come on, like, like people are playing games with other people's lives. And it's like, yo, this has got to stop. Mind you, this whole pandemic thing ain't even, ain't even ended yet. You see what I'm saying? So it's okay. like it's also interesting because it's hitting different areas and much different severities. Like here in the south, it, it's certain areas that's hitting really hard. Now the areas it's it's almost non-existent, at least on the surface. And it's it's really strange to kind of and then also now I've traveled a little bit. In fact, I came back from, from Africa in the middle of the height of the pandemic in, in <coughs> the last week of March, which was a hell of a fucking trip. But I've seen this on three continents now, right? So I've seen all levels of, of reaction to this. And, uh, and just to see how like, how just completely different it is, even within just a few miles is, is so bizarre. How is it in Africa? How are they reacted to it? 
uh, within the first uh, account, everything stopped within 12 hours of the first uh, infection being announced in the country. Everything wow. stopped and they had military checkpoints on the highway. So a little bit of a different, in my opinion, Zimbabwe did a better job than the United States did at, at a response and, and containing it. So, and that's sad. The country with the highest inflation rate on the planet had a better response. Just saying. That what's I, I, I'm I'm I don't subscribe to many conspiracy theories. You know what I'm saying? Hardly any. But in my opinion, I'm just like the way they're doing things now. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're, this has to be a thinning of the herd. You know what I'm saying? Like wanting to take away health care from 25 million Americans with no real plan and stuff like that. And they want to go through with that. This whole trying to ramrod this Supreme Court judge down our throats and all that other stuff. You know, that, you know? That's all about abortion. That's the evangelicals trying to get their, their Roe v. Wade overturned. That's which will never happen. <clears throat> yeah, you know, and, and then, you know, uh, uh, you know, like all these things, it's like, what, like, and, and even when you have people who like Lindsey Graham, who's like, yeah, check, keep the tape or whatever, check the tape. You know, if you're willing to put your integrity on the line like that and sacrifice it, you know, for this, what is, why is this so important to you? They don't have integrity. That's just the point. That's there you why go. they don't, like, there you they, go. they don't, they, they'll sell out to whoever puts money in their wallet and they don't care. But that's, but that that's not unique to any political party. That's both sides. Mm -hmm. No, no. But the thing is, is, the way this is being done. You understand what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Even I know. With, yeah. And, and, and yeah, and, and it's it's crazy. So what kind of other um so what what's kind of the cannabis scene like there in New Jersey and and what what's the current state of things there? What's the state of medical? What what is it more free or is it very restrictive? What products are available? Give us kind of a, a rundown on, on cannabis there in New Jersey. Well, you know, um, if you're a entrepreneur in cannabis, then you're only dealing in the, like, if you're plant touching in this state, then you're only on medical as of today. So everything for us from an industry's perspective, plant touching, that would be, uh, assume it's all under medical, right? Now, the good news about New Jersey's medical marijuana program is that we actually are blessed with a really, really good um, commissioner. Deputy Commissioner uh, Jeff Brown, you know, um, he he's when I say he's really down to earth and uh, makes himself, you know, uh, readily available is is it, 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 it's an understatement. You know, he knows the lingo. He knows who's who, you know, um, <clears throat> he ain't dumb. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he really is about that life. And what I mean by he about that life, like he's the ultimate, don't judge a book by its cover. He knows everything in a good way, you know, and, you know, and so, um, and he's a, and, and he is such a proponent of the medical marijuana program. It's under his watch, you know, that they were able to educate the governor to allow for 20 more, you know, qualifying conditions expansion of the medical marijuana program you know he is frustrated that it's you know that we're only at nine you know um the goal is we're at ninety thousand right now the goal is to get to 270 
which is doable. You see what I'm saying? But the thing is, is that, you know, you have lawsuits and all that stuff. And, you know, so there are so many things that, you know, they got, he's got going at him. Mind you, um, the governor of New Jersey at one point had allocated all personnel and resources to fighting COVID. So he was running the Atlantic City Field Hospital. You know what I'm saying? But uh, real, real cool, solid dude. Uh, and, and, um, I, I, and, and that, that's saying a lot. Um, cause I, I recognize I'm spoiled with him as our, as, as leading the medical marijuana program here. Um, he's definitely a proponent of business of industry. So long as it's done right. And, uh, he, you know, he doesn't like the, he doesn't like, uh, uh, how the whiteness of the industry, you know, um, he's very, he's very, uh, uh, in tune to that as well. Um, and, and um, in terms of <clears throat> from an actual industry perspective, you know, the idea of the ancillary aspect is something that's in, 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 um, in, in gear here, you know, um, and it's happening real fast. Um, I'm a bit, I've benefited from that, from that aspect as well, from consulting and whatnot, and being able to, you know, uh, talk with folks and, and uh, also with, you know, um, educating folks within different parts of the community. I spoke to a senior citizens group a few months ago and had them, you know, and try to educate on everything that's happened because one of the problems we have in this state is that people don't like to vote, particularly black people. You know, in Trenton, we had 38,000 registered voters in the last election, we had only 8,000 people voted. <laughs> See what I'm saying? <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, getting people to, re-engage in their most basic of civic responsibilities is really, really important this time around because not only are they voting for a president, but they're also voting for weed here in this in this state. You know, um, and the other thing too is that you got a lot of groups that are forming their, getting their business plans together, forming their group, uh, you know, wanting to plant their flags. You know, um, it's, it's, it's actually moving I would say if you're uh, if you're looking at if New Jersey was ever on your radar, you know people here are working with a reckless abandonment as if it's just a foregone conclusion that this is going to pass. And then you couple that with what's happening with the Supreme Court case, it's like the perfect, you know, I'm uh, I you know we get this word tomorrow, I, it'll solidify my 2020. I'll be ending 2020 on a strong note. I think uh, I think a lot of people also don't realize there's a lot of state laws about cannabis that are triggered if the feds change. I know there's quite a few states that automatically legalize uh, or automatically legalize mm -hmm. a medical program or, or or have sets of rules in place for when that happens. So I think that, you know, again, the ripple effect from that. Uh, also, mm -hmm. remember all the U.S. territories, you have Guam, Marshall. Well, Island. legalized. They legalized for adult use earlier yep. in the year yep, or last year. Yep, last year they legalized. Yeah, Guam. Uh, uh, we have the. Well, I guess the last ones left would be Marshall Islands. Uh, Puerto Rico has medical. I don't know if they have rec yet. I don't. No, I think they just had medical. Yeah. You know, um, and helped set up a grow down there before Maria, which, you know, didn't yeah. go too well. But hmm. yeah, uh, uh, a friend of mine's name uh, Dave Hargett. He just moved to Puerto Rico not too long ago. And, and you know, like, 
I know that like at some point or another, he's going to be setting up shot. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it, it's Puerto Rico is like prime territory too, man. It's a big land race there. Oh yeah, especially after after the hurricane, really uh, opened up a lot more land in terms of uh, what was forested. Yep, yep, yep. Exactly, exactly. You hit the nail on the head. No, I, uh, I, yeah, very, very familiar with what happened down there. Uh, uh, unfortunately, so. Okay. What uh? So uh, is there uh? So I know that there's a change.org petition going. Um, there's a link in the description if people want to get involved. Uh, I know they're trying to get to um, uh, quite a few signatures here before tomorrow. Uh, I know they're a little bit short, but if you can get on there and, and give your support, please do that. Um, it, it helps uh, their cause. Oh, and you know what? I'm sorry to interrupt. I got a gift. Sure. I got a gift for your viewers. Uh, if you like. Uh, you can go to uh, www.cwcbexpo.com and register for our uh, virtual expo, November 17th through the 18th. You know, we're going to have speakers like Bruce Linton and, you know, um, a lot of Calvin Fry, a lot of people talking. And, um, and if you use the code, when you register, if you use the code LEO, 100 leo 100 i think the ticket's free yeah should be free you know it's a 50 dollars ticket so you know go ahead and knock yourselves out man you know that's a that's that get that exposure see what's out there see what companies are going to be you know uh, uh exhibiting you know um what, hmm. what's the what's the uh, website and the the conference again cwcbexpo.com But yeah, you, it's a two-day, it's a two-day virtual expo, you know. But you get to see what companies are are doing and what people are talking about too. It's going to be some serious conversations happening. All right. Oh, Cannabis World Congress Business Expo. All right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I went to one of their events last year. I was it to Toronto or was it? Maybe it was in Toronto. Maybe it was in California. I was in so many things last year. Yeah, I was gonna say we we only if it had to be California, it had to be L.A. L.A. That's what it must have been. Yeah, I was at that show. Very cool. You'll, you'll, yeah, you'll normally find me, you know, like moderating a panel or giving a speech or something like that. You know, like I said, I sit on the advisory board. So you know, what I get to do is what it gives me is it gives me a my a, a camera a wide angle camera view of the industry you see what i'm saying so you know i hear a lot of i understand a lot of the arguments and stuff but i'm always thinking on a macro and micro level i have to you, you see what i'm saying and, and if that would be my next piece of advice too is learn to start thinking macro and micro you know, especially with cannabis and hemp, because it affects right. Come on, man, tell them, tell them, right? Oh yeah. You know, like <laughs> that stuff is real. You know what I'm saying? And so, if you're serious about this game, you know what I mean. Like in in season eight, episode four, you know what we talking about? 
we're talking about the establishing and cultivation of international trade routes. You know what I'm saying? We we talking about genetics and you know uh, all that stuff. We're talking about import export. That'll be the next big thing too is the international trade agreements because we had so many that we did in the in the 70s because of Nixon, Nixon, uh, and the late 60s and 70s thanks to Nixon and then uh, again Reagan. Um, that we have all these wonky international treaties that are going to, again, make it harder for the United States to compete compared to other countries that don't have these stupid agreements that they've, you know. So, so again, if, our, if the Supreme Court rules in our favor, all that shit comes up too. all that got to be talked about and planned out and figured out and all that stuff. And I remember when I was working with Jamaica, they had the, the CARICOM that we had to deal with this this issue with, with import-export because they had made a, agreements with the United States. Jamaica is exporting to Canada. <laughs> Zimbabwe is sending a whole bunch of countries around. Yeah, yeah. you know, like I, I did a I did this uh this this community event at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Brooklyn, New York. This was the third, this is like the third largest African-American congregation in, in New York, right? And the event was so big, I was fielding questions from media in, jo- in Johannesburg, South Africa. Because at that time, South Africa had just legalized federally for medicinal purposes, and they allow for home grow. Yep. <laughs> yeah, everybody can have a move. It's four plants or eight plants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. they, so we had a, I actually got involved with a project in SA. I'm still involved in a project in SA, a different project, but um, uh, this one's over, well, on the, on the Western side of the country this time. But um, originally we were, we were getting into a big uh, facility over by East London, but then they were like randomly arresting legal grows, like people involved with legal grows with like no rhyme or reason. The people that were definitely legit because of the companies that they were working with would have like, vetted them and just got kind of squirrely for a bit so we we backed out of that and ended up putting most of our energy into zimbabwe where they they weren't doing it and then zimbabwe started doing some of that shit too so you see see it's it's the instability the government instability that i i keep a a sharp eye on when monitoring and when thinking about you know um some of these relationships that i'm i've been making with you know um, and, you know, like um, South Africa, you know, from a stability perspective is, is, a, is a good way. And then also um, Lagos, Nigeria, you know what I'm saying? They're also... Yeah, yeah Nigeria has you know, been, they're, they're getting real close to pushing through. I know they've been talking about it for since early last year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I've been talking to people there for, for quite a while. Yeah, you know, and see those things, you know, like when you see how they're positioning themselves, you know what I'm saying? It's it's interesting in terms of how I have to maneuver here, particularly, you know, like so now, you know, I think people who are are more competition for like Philip Morris and Marlboro and all that, whereas Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you know, people like yourselves and the people that you're supporting and the people that like we support are more like your craft growers. They're more like your you're, you're exactly you're craft, like the craft brewer versus Budweiser, right? Like they're they're completely different brands. The customer base they're competing for would never buy the other one because you're they're just two different customer bases or are very unlikely to buy the other one, right? The people right. that are looking, 
Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm 45, right? So when I was a little boy, you know, you could go to the store and buy cigarettes for your parents. You know, they would sell them to you, okay? So I'm just, just, and I'm dating myself here, so okay. In my now, high school, we still had a fenced-in area for smoking when my freshman year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so therefore, you know, here's what I will tell you. Um, I remember as a little boy, my grandfather smoked Benson and Hedges 100s, and my aunt Margaret smoked Paul Malls, you know, and my mom smoked Newports. Okay, my whole life. They, they, ne- they never stepped out. I've never seen them with anything else other than that. You know what I'm saying? And one of the things that I think that, you know, your legalized market industry, you know, one of the things that I think that they, they kind of lose sight of is that there's little idiosyncrasies about all cannabis consumers. And one of those idiosyncrasies is that we're loyal to a fault. Rarely do we step away from our regular dealer, especially if he's always had the good shit. You know what I'm saying? Why, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And so, you know, what we have from an industry perspective, from a, from a little guy perspective, is that actually being the little guy might actually be the thing to be in this industry, if you think about it. Because being a little guy ensures the fact that you will still be here five years from now when you're supposed to fail. Being a little guy establishes your brand individually, you know what I'm saying? If you really know what you're doing, people going to go far and wide to get you. Yeah. So, so there's a little bit of a delay on my, I think I keep, okay. it cuts out. I apologize. I didn't mean to. It's okay. But it, it, so, so it may, it actually may be in your best interest to be a little guy. You know what I'm saying? Like one of the things that I have available to me is, you know, I have the ability to, in the very near future, you know, actually, I'm, I'm seriously contemplating applying for a micro license. You, you see what I'm saying? Just because now I think I want to develop more things, you know what I'm saying? And actually, because if my stuff is the flavor of, if, is, is the flavor of the month, it'll be the flavor, it'll be your, fl- there's no such thing as a flavor of the month. It's either this is your shit. This is what you want. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And 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 I believe in 2021, alliances will be ever so important. You know, because now and 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 those alliances will actually have to become formal. <laughs> Absolutely, and people like to support their neighborhood too. You know, if they know exactly in their area. They'd rather buy it from that, especially if it's hyper local people. Like, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, a wine snob or a dude that likes to smoke blunts. You you both like that hyper locality. You know, it's something that it bridges a quite a large cultural divide. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those, <clears throat> so you know, meeting those growers. You know, what I'm saying those people who who's this is their craft. You know, what I'm saying that's what's going to be important. You know, what I'm saying. And so for me, you know. I'm going to be looking for that grower to partner with where I could marry their, their botanical talents to my business and advocacy. You see what I'm saying? I think when you have something like that, people, people get behind a brand because there's a story that they can actually subscribe to. And so what better of a story than this 
black eyes veteran from Trenton, New Jersey, who decided to, you know what I'm saying, hoop and holler his way into the Supreme Court with his friends. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, I was just cutting back to this, uh, reading the article uh, here. Uh, or, um, uh, you know, uh, one of the other, uh, we talked about most of this bullet points that I had written down from reading this earlier. Um, is there any um, anything else you'd like to talk about? You know, as a lot of people don't realize how much veterans really um, are uh, get relief from, from cannabis. You want to touch more on that and some of the different efforts that you have with the different networks? A lot of people don't even know that there are, are networks in their area. Um, I think one of the things that we kind of recently realized in the area that I'm at after talking to quite a few different people at different we local cannabis events is that there isn't a whole lot of, of cannabis veteran uh, resources here in Southern Oklahoma, but I think we're going to try and organize to try and help change that. Um, uh, uh, I actually... I actually got something for you that will probably, you know, something that hits a little close to home for you. You know, um, I've actually partnered with uh, Sean Wilson, who is the founder of Vets in the Hood. And it's an organization out of Philadelphia that is servicing veterans and teaching veterans how to help other veterans access their VA benefits. The Philadelphia uh, area has a veteran population of over 100,000 veterans, but there are only three counselors assigned to the <laughs> to Philadelphia. Yeah, I know. See what I'm saying? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, see what I'm saying? You know, and, and, and so, was it before we were talking on the show or was it while we were on air that you were mentioning about how the VA bill uh, can allow them access to even places like Oaksterdam? Was that before or was that no, no, that was before. No, yeah, no, since we've been talking, yeah. Because I was okay, I just want to make sure that was well, we had that on air because if people, no, 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 we got that on air, yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure because, uh, uh, yeah, anyways, smoked a little bit much today, <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, I, I've been I've been burning this 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 can of garlic since we started talking, you know, you catching me at a good new, time. <laughs> our new lemonade we're releasing, this is the leftovers from, from our batch that we were making that we're launching next week, and uh. Actually, we have a congratulations couple this week. This weekend we'll have it at two stores, but next weekend we'll next week it'll be hitting a lot more stores. But uh, but yeah, so super stoked on that. But uh, it takes a while to kick in. But congratulations, man! You know, <laughs> yeah, we got all kinds of fun stuff we're working on out here, and uh, and that's again that's one of the things like that's one of the fun parts about being in this position is because one of the things that I have had to learn to do is I've had to learn to familiarize myself with all the different platforms in which you can consume. And also learning, you know, like really getting properly educated. Like I don't have to always smoke cannabis. You know, if I start learning about CBD and CBG and CBN, you know, you might find that, you know, and then I'll be honest with you, I even microdose with shrooms too. You know, it really keeps me balanced. Like, I'm like, really like, okay, you know. Um, so, you know, for me, it's more or less, the, uh, it's all about making sure that I keep up with the current ways in which you can do things. Because you don't always have to burn. You know, actually, not, you shouldn't even be smoking. You know, we're not meant to be burning. 
this is a great way too for local chefs and people that have a, mm -hmm. a local bodega. Like in, it's one of the things I, I miss about Philly and New York and New Jersey is that you have the corner store and he might only make three to eight things, but they're all really good. Or like most of them are at least. Right. So, so, but, but they all like, so this guy does cheese steaks really good. This guy does chili dogs really good. This guy does, you know, whatever, whatever really good. And, and you could hit up depending on your day, but each of them could also do like a cannabis version of that too. You know, we're, we're starting to work with a lot of people that have food trucks and we're doing CBD stuff and CBD sauces and different things that they have. And they're giving us their recipe stuff and we're just adding CBD to it and, and giving it back That's to them. Just... And we don't even mess. I don't, I have no idea even what the recipe is. I don't need to know it. That's their, that's their stuff. But we just, we just put the, the, the cannabis part portion of it in it and give it back to them and, you know, this is, again, a, a way that people can have a lot of the local recipes, the local flavors or local cuisine, and, and, and again, keep it hyper-local and, 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 and compete with a lot of these international people that are coming, down, you know, they're coming down the line. You're like, when I was growing over in Zimbabwe, we were able to produce for seven to eight bucks a pound, you know, good luck trying to compete what? with that. If you're trying to actually, you know, you know, go for that race to the bottom dollar, you know, good luck with that. Um, you know, you're, you're not going to compete when you can pay, you know, with, with the labor costs per day over there. It's just not humanly possible. And, you, know, well, you know, it's interesting. I, I had a meeting with the ICCI a few years ago in New York. Right. And, you know, they were they had it broken down to where South America is where the labor is going to come from. You know, uh, North uh, Europe is going to be where the tech is and North America just gets to be consumers. That's how they got this shit mapped out. Like they really got it mapped out like that. It's just like, damn, really? But then when you look at it, again, thinking macro and micro, once we start import export, shit, it's a wrap. Well, and, and it is, will the United States allow it? What type of restrictions and import taxes are they gonna put on it? You know, I think, but you, at the same time, you, you know, who's gonna always be in demand? Humboldt and the Green Triangle, you're going to have like um, uh, Jamaica, you know, uh, South Africa and Swaziland and on that area, um, you know, Amsterdam, Spain, you know, you have a couple areas that are no Morocco that are, uh, you know, Pakistan, Afghanistan that have known for having great cannabis, um, Thailand, India. But these places, again, they can grow year round, most of these places year round. Uh, and have no gross season stoppage, no, none of the problems that we have here. And you just can't compete with that. They can produce twice as much per year outdoor. <laughs> Listen, you're going to see, you're, you're going to see packages. Go, going back to the hyper-specialization, like you're saying, if you're, you're, if you're making your good barbecue sauce or whatever, and now, you know, this comes down the line, people still like your barbecue sauce, you know, they ain't going to stop. You know, this is where you can still survive the, the coming, you know, changes to the market. By, by sticking to your local guns, stick to what you know, stick to the stuff that, that you're already good at making, stick to the flavors, the food recipes, the, the stuff that you're already good at and just incorporate it into that and you, you'll you survive just fine. I think like this, go next time you're in the grocery store, and I'm not saying it's gonna be in the grocery store, but if you wanna know, if you wanna get an idea of the future of cannabis and hemp, just go to the grocery store and go stand in the coffee aisle You, you see, oh, yeah. you, it's just so go stand in the coffee aisle 
all that coffee ain't American made. There's some American made. You see Folgers <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah, none of it's American grown. Where yeah, do you, where then, do you grow cannabis in, in the U.S. Or, or coffee in the U.S. You're yeah, right. and and all that coffee you see there didn't come didn't wasn't wasn't didn't originate here. And understand something. That's just the coffee they let in. When you when you actually go outside the borders of the United States, you find out everything you ain't been getting. getting. You see what I'm saying? That's what people. That's that's how people are not. You know, like well, and other know. produce too, bananas and tomatoes and yeah. Uh, you you will see in in the future your package when you look at your weed when you get your cannabis it's going to say made in the USA or made in in Philippines made in you know what I'm saying in Thailand and made in you know all that shit would have to be on there you know what I'm saying like like this is the type of stuff that has to be literally thought about oh yeah not only that like like the bio controls you know making sure that you have you know, your phytosanitary safety certificates and all the rest of the stuff that you have to do transport over borders. And, you know, do we want irradiated cannabis or do would we prefer to have a, an ozone flushed cannabis or, you know, what 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 is an acceptable thing for or, or an organic or, or maybe even beyond organic standard to still maintain biosecurity? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of questions that, that get into the technical side of stuff that that aren't so simple, especially with smokable products where, you know, maybe we don't want to go to all the stuff that we do to tobacco. You know, maybe we want no, to no. the terpenes or, or use methods that aren't going to cause some of the negative issues and, and how can we still maintain biosecurity while doing so. And um, we're also seeing a lot of a huge outbreak of, of newer viruses and things, you know, a beet curl virus, tomato leaf curl virus, um, a wide range of mosaic viruses mm-hmm. uh, that are, were, weren't documented in cannabis five years ago. Now, 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 here's the thing, right? Now, imagine me being, you know, Joe Schmo, know nothing and everything like that. You know, you know what I just heard? Job, 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 Everything that you just laid uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything you just said, that's a job that somebody's going to have to perform. <laughs> that that That's actually going to have to be every aspect of what you just said. In order to answer that, that's got to be somebody's career. That's a career. Those are career jobs just to get to those damn answers and then to maintain them. You know what I'm saying? And, and we ain't even talked about all the other jobs that just spiderwebbed off of just that, just, you know, like... Like people, like I, I hear, I hear you, but I hear you, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, we gotta, we gotta get that together too, right? Not, not only that, but you also have like the guys that are delivering soil, and the guys that are delivering the pots, and and you know, uh, the guys that maintain the roads for the trucks to get there, and just all the different thousand things that that go into this stuff. And again, like we talked about the inspectors, you have to have safety inspectors. That that's also that the inspectors they gotta go get trained. They gotta be trained. And that's that's why I always recommend, you know, I've done I've talked to a couple of different governments now, 
And I always say, look, start with rec, even if it's a phased in six month or one year thing, start off with rec because it gets your inspectors and your infrastructure that the government has to have to collect taxes to do, do things safely, get the testing facilities up to scale and up to capacity. I mean, we saw the absolute disaster that Oregon did with their shit show that they had with the, with the testing and how they just completely dropped the ball. Or uh, another great shining example would be Nevada with them allowing the liquor, liquor control the liquor, board. Liquor, yeah, and they messed it all up. Vehicles. I think it was two additional vehicles to handle the entire <laughs> cannabis industry. You know, they intentionally sabotaged that, that, you know, they had to literally declare a state of emergency to, to make sure that cannabis could make it to the stores, which has got to be one of the funniest things to ever happen in U.S. politics, for sure. Flintstones, and you're asking them to make rules to a Jetsons game. And then- oh, yeah. It's, it's insanity. And, and these guys have no no concept of what a terpene or a cannabinoid is, but they'll write laws about it. And, and yeah, it just that's the problem is, again, you don't have enough scientists involved in, in, in the people writing the laws or the people that are writing the laws simply just won't listen. You want to know the, the thing that trips me out the most? You know, <clears throat> um, I, like, listen, bro, you know, hold up. Okay, so check this out, man. Um, I, I my my fourteen year old thinks I'm corny, and my four year old talks to me like I'm small. Okay, my wife has a PhD in mathematics. Okay, so I'm married. As a married man with two kids, the times that I get to be a hundred percent right about anything is very few and far between. It almost never happens. It, <laughs> for me, do some for me. Yes. Do something for me that's beautiful. And so the thing is, is that when it comes to this cannabis thing, I am a hundred percent right. And me and you have been a hundred percent right. You know what I'm saying? You know, trust me, you know, like I, as a married man, sometimes I have to choose. Do I want to be right or do I want peace? 95% of the time, I'm choosing peace. You know what I'm saying? But this time, I'm 100% right. So nah, you know what I'm saying? And so I work and conduct myself as someone who is 100% right. I think a lot of people too, once they've seen it heal people, once they've seen it turn somebody mm-hmm. around that was given mm-hmm. a death sentence, once they've mm-hmm. seen it give somebody their child back who was a mm-hmm. vegetable, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Once they've mm-hmm. seen it stop someone's seizures and watch someone stop watching like in agony watching their kid convulse and then that doesn't happen anymore like that's that changes everything it doesn't matter what their hang-ups were before that well a friend of mine uh came over to my house one night <clears throat> and he he came over he was a, he was a little emotional he had to tell me this stuff. i said what happened you know and he says he said look man he was like, you know, he was like, remember the other night when we was smoking? I was like, yeah. He said, he said, well, I took, I had some of that weed and I took it over to, you know, my, I went over to my mom's house and he said, <clears throat> my cousin was there. And I said, oh, okay. You know, he said, you know, um, she had had uh, a, a brain procedure done. You know what I'm saying? So she wasn't, she hasn't been right for a while. You know what I'm saying? And he said, you know, 
they was like, yo, you should you know, go ahead. And they was like, he was like, really? So he rolled some up and smoked with her. And he said, he said, bruh, he said, I don't, I can't even tell you how long we were smoking, but we were smoking for a while before I realized I, I had my cousin back. And I was like, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't understand. And he said, they, the conversation was so good. He didn't realize that he was just in regular conversation. She was calling him by the whatever the family, I think he's Booby or whatever in their house or whatever, whatever nickname they call him. That was the name she was using and she was responding. You know what I'm saying? But he was, he, you know, he was like, man, I was high, but I, he was like, it, he said, I realized he, he said, she must've said his name like maybe five or six times before he realized for for a period of time she was engaged she was she was there she was clarity of thought or whatever and that was the first time he had ever witnessed the medical benefit firsthand and it was a little it was a little it was a, it was powerful for him because it 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 it, it revealed itself on a loved one you, you, you see what I'm saying? So he was, it was, he was really, really, you know, like, he was like, wow, I, I, I never, you know, I, that never happened. He was just really happy. And he's been, you know, like, keep going, bro, keep going like that. Yeah, no, I've, I've personally seen it turn it, uh, a kid who was four years old. He was having so many seizures a day. He was strapped to a chair. He, the anti-seizure medication, well, in his stroller, basically. Mm -hmm. and, uh, look at Alexis. Look at Alexis Bartel on the case. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, so he, um, the first time he came in, this guy came into the store when I was working at Aquaponics Source. Couldn't move, couldn't communicate. He was unaware of the world around him, I guess, for to put it politely. Um, the next time I saw that kid, three months later, he, his dad helped him open the door. He ran in and started smashing some wow. glasses that we use for measuring. Uh, and smashing the glass ones on the floor and giggling uncontrollably. And I just started, I just burst into tears because that kid couldn't understand that there was a world outside of his mind before that. And to see him come in and just get joy over breaking stuff like a normal four-year-old was the best thing I've ever seen yeah. in my yeah. whole life. Yeah. And um, I've seen yeah. it. Uh, somebody else that was given two weeks to live is on almost year eight now. Man. So two weeks yeah. to, to year eight, you know, like, listen, man, you know, one of the things, you know, you got to realize, bro, is that what you have found is your ministry, man. This is your ministry, whether you realize it or not, you know what I'm saying? And every time you go out and do the things that you do and everything like that, you know, all testimonies ain't audible, bro. You know what I'm saying? A lot of testimonies is just that work, you know, what, like you could really judge it, you know, you could judge a man by his work, you know what I'm saying? And 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 you could judge a tree by the fruit it bears. You see what I'm saying? And look at what you're doing, you know what I'm saying? It's your work, you know, sometimes the ministries just have to be shown. And that's what this is for you, bro. You know what I'm saying? I'm happy for you, at least you got it, you know what I'm saying? Imagine the people that's walking around right now. They don't have that freedom of thought, you know what I'm saying? And to be happy about what it is that they've been, that they, you know, you have your purpose in life now. You know what you're doing. 
You been to what you was doing. So you right. <laughs> Keep yeah, going, man. I was just talking, I was talking to my girlfriend yesterday or the day before about how like we couldn't imagine like living without cannabis, especially with like having hurt my back and, and her having hurt her back and stuff and just Wow. I've seen the level of pain before and after and just how much. And then now we, we actually put, we've been working on American edibles and some other products here in Oklahoma and, and getting them out. We actually had somebody on Monday, Monday or Tuesday tell us that they're there. They guy had been through a motorcycle accident. And he was pain free for the first time in 14 years. And that was super yeah. awesome. Also just being yeah. able to have people like that is, is super cool. Yeah. Listen, man, you know, like, what got me into this, you know, is like a lot of people, either something happened to, you know, either something happened to them or somebody they love. And that's a different kind of motivation. You know what I'm saying? That's that kind of motivation that can't be bought off. You know what I'm saying? That, you know, like, you know, that's that, that that's the type of shit that make, you know, you hear women lifting cars off their kids and shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the thing is, is that, you know, those be the most righteous ones. You know what I'm saying? You know, because, you know, there's the people who are doing it just strictly for the money. And then there's the people who are doing it for the culture. You understand what I'm saying? And this culture is all inclusive. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, the tribe is small, but we everywhere. <laughs> we everywhere. You know what I'm saying? We in Zimbabwe. You know what I'm saying? We going to South Africa. The tribe is everywhere. And the thing about it is, is that this industry is very incestuous. You know what I'm saying? The degrees of separation is like less than two. You know what I'm saying? And so, <clears throat> you know, at some point or another, you know, we gonna, you're going to end up circling back around to one another at some point in some capacity. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it doesn't fail. You know what I'm saying? It has, and, and I'm learning that, you know. And so, again, that's why I said 2021, a lot of those alliances are going to have to become formal. <laughs> we're going to have to be like, yo, we got to put paper to pen on this, you know, because there's some things that are happening and there's some movements that's taking place. And you got a lot of people that's really not moving like we need them to. There's a lot of people that's not going to be ready for this. And that's what's really maddening. So, so uh, you've been uh, talking a lot of awesome knowledge tonight. Uh, how can people support the different groups that you're involved in? You're in, involved in quite a bit oh. of different things. How, how can people support you and help support the movement? What, what are some of the different ways that they can uh, uh, do that if they want to get involved? Well, first and foremost, re-engage in the political process. You know, start fulfilling your basic civic responsibilities. So go out and vote, you know. Um, and then the second thing, you know, uh, check out, minorities for m for mm united.org you know um these are your, these are groups where you have networks of people who are actually moving moving in the industry and then check out cwcb education you know find out what things we have going on we've got we had a webinar yesterday we have a few other uh initiatives that are taking place in the coming weeks and um we also are what else are we doing um uh and you know yeah that's it you know other than you know stay tuned see what happens with the supreme court decision you'll probably be telling you you'll probably have to get back on and tell your your viewers you know what happened come to come tomorrow um other than that you know um i thank you for allowing me this platform to be able to talk about 
the various things. I had a good time with you. <laughs> and I look forward to working with you some more, brother. Heck yeah, I hope to be able to support you in some of your stuff. I know we were talking about some some synergies that, that, that we'll touch on uh, uh, in the future for sure. And uh, yeah, it's also just nice to talk to somebody from back home, you know. Uh, yeah, man. Your accents. E-A-G-L-E-S, <laughs> Eagles. Got to get yeah, that in, man. Wearing Eagles shirts. He, he's got an Eagles shirt on and I can't went and got my championship one. <laughs> that beautiful piece, of, that beautiful article of clothing you have. You know what I'm saying? All right, here we go. Just to, just to piss off all the, the local Dallas guys. I, I, I do live in Dallas territory, so I do I do wear my Eagles gear proudly to the bars here. Did I cut out or did but I was you? gone for 22 years and it is so nice to be living back in our home, in our home market. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm down in deep in, in, in Cowboys territory. So they love me when I go out. Oh, yeah. Well, you mean the Dallas <laughs> Cowboys? Because there's no D in Dallas right now. Right. <laughs> That's all right. Apparently, there isn't any in Philly either. Hey, but we're in first place. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> I've been having a really good week. Yeah, I'm like, look, we so shitty. We're still in first place. How's that? <laughs> Yeah, it just shows you how good our conference is, I guess. <laughs> At least we're hurt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, man, good talking to you, brother. Thanks for having yeah. me on, man. Appreciate it. And again, how, what? Um, any other links or, or mentions you wanted to drop? Uh, everything, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, everything is Leo Bridgewater. Look me up. You know, you know, tag me, friend me up, man. You know, I you. You can keep you can keep the best uh, keep up with me the best you know particularly on Facebook and Instagram, that's where you'll find me the most you know and and where I'm most active and you know and and, and what it is that I'm doing again you'll find me next uh, November seventeenth to the eighteenth at the virtual expo so come on out you know see what's going on you know this is virtual you know um, and then be prepared because we're going to be going doing, going back to our live shows sometime in 2021. You know, you'll get all the updates. Go to the website. Go to CWCB Expo Insider as well, insider.com, and CWCB Expo. You know, those are where you get all your, your good content. <laughs> awesome. I really appreciate it. No doubt, brother. You have a good rest of the evening. You too. And, uh, yeah, definitely look forward to talking to you in the future. Yeah, man. Hit me up. You got my email address and everything. Oh, okay? yeah. All right, brother. Take care. Thank you. Cheers. All right now. Peace. That was an awesome interview. It was great to, to touch on that. Uh, that's a, a really historic case that we, we have coming in tomorrow. And um, uh, hopefully the Supreme Court accept, decides to take it. And, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully decide to throw out the DEA's bullshit. Um, that would change quite a bit for the United States. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how things go tomorrow. So definitely keep it, keep, stay tuned tomorrow and find out if they decide to take that case, because uh, it'll be pretty important. Um, if you're interested, uh, one other thing of note, Marty wasn't able to make it tonight, but uh, Marty and I are almost done the uh, the class. We've done a lot more work on the, uh, the aquaponic cannabis class. We're hoping to have it ready by uh, November 1st. Uh, if not, we'll, worst case scenario, we'll have it done by Black Friday. 
Um, we're just kind of in the editing. We have a lot of content that we're, we're putting together for the class. So, um, but you can check that out at APMJ class. You can uh, pre-order now uh, if you're interested in that. And uh, be sure to, again to check out the um, uh, the merch store. Uh, I will have that in the description as well if you're interested in, in uh, t-shirts or hoodies. Uh, but yeah, if you're checking out, um, Marty and I have been working on this super cool long format class. It's uh, more than five days worth of content. Uh, I think. I think we're, we're way past that now and we're going to keep adding stuff to it quarterly uh, so uh, um, you know every few months we'll be adding more slides and, and more sections to the class covering more things in depth uh, elaborating on a lot more content uh, that we already have there and kind of expanding upon it um, and kind of doing it more like a subscription service so it's going to be pretty cool and kind of a different way to learn uh, i think also people are going to uh, enjoy the fact that, that it will be kind of you know current and uh uh, and have a lot of interesting stuff with it. So definitely check that out. And then uh, if you aren't aware, we did over the weekend, the virtual aquaponic cannabis class. Uh, you can find that right here on the Potent Ponics YouTube channel. Um, uh, oh, I forgot to mention the class, sorry. I'm just tired um, and a little bit high, a lot of bit high. Uh, the class link is uh, apmjclass.com. But uh, you can check out the virtual aquaponic cannabis conference. We had it over the weekend. We had a quite a long list of, of guests and sponsors. A big thank you to all of our guests and sponsors. Uh, they were super awesome. We have lots of things. If you want something, uh, I will be mailing those out tomorrow. Uh, it took me a while to get the last couple of people's addresses and stuff. Um, so yeah, if you haven't heard back from me, that's why. Um, I think there's one or two people that emailed me today. I just haven't uh, haven't gotten those in the mail yet today, but those will go out. Um, I have it all packaged up for you. Um, yeah, other than that, um, check it out. We had 18 hours of content uh, from a wide range of topics from uh, two hours on Korean natural mm -hmm. farming. Uh, Marty and I both spoke quite extensively on, on different topics on dual root zones and, and some other topics. Uh, Dr. Wilson Leonard talked about his work on decoupled um, systems down in Australia, uh, working with a client um, and a couple of other people uh, talked on stuff. Uh, Liam, Liam um, uh, Keys from uh, Chief Cultivator, who is one of the coolest guys out there in aquaponic cannabis and uh, posts some incredible pictures. Uh, I gave us a tour of his facility, which is super freaking cool. Um, Josh uh, Rutherford gave us a tour of his facility, which was also very cool. Uh, so uh, lots of cool content and um, yeah, if you had a chance to check it out, uh, definitely check it out. You'll, you'll learn a lot. Again, there's 18 hours of content there. So uh, we also had a breeding panel with Dragonfly Earth Medicine and Wade Laughter. Um, we had uh, Murray Hollum on. We had just a really cool list of guests. Um, uh, 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 Chris Trump and Wendy Kornberg. Uh, on KNF, we had um, uh, Matthew Gates speaking about insects. So uh, it was really, really great, great group of people. Um, and then uh, um, also, uh, if you need uh, nutrients and you're looking for nutrients, check out True Aquaponics. Uh, we also have a uh, subscription service that I help uh, with them over on if you're looking for nutrient subscriptions and you need help balancing your aquaponics system. Uh, we can do all that for you uh, with water testing as well as send, sending you easy to use aquaponic nutrients. You just rip the package open, pour it in the sump and uh, your stuff gets solved. You don't have to think about anything. So uh, definitely check that out over there. And uh, yeah, if you like this content, please hit like and subscribe. Um, tell your friends about the show. Um, on a sad note, uh, 
I guess uh, uh, made me think of it. Uh, Rob from the Homegrown Helpers podcast and uh, assistant producer of the uh, Growcast passed away last week, um, which is very sad news and sudden. Uh, so um, uh, please uh, uh, support them any way you can. Uh, I know that there's um, not any fundraising going on, but definitely just some different uh, uh, you know, digital memorial memoriams going up uh, uh, around that. So uh, give them some love over there. Uh, they could they could really use that extra love right now. Um, they, he put out a lot of great content and really you know tried to help people grow and, and help people get started. And uh, it's really really sad to see him go. So um, yeah, definitely go show them some love. Alrighty, um, uh, we'll uh, get catch you guys next week. Um, I think Mar the show should go back to two weeks, two shows a week once Marty and I are done with all this editing and stuff. We've just been kind of using that to have a day that we can both sit down together that we already have uh, dedicated normally to uh, to get stuff done. So uh, we will be a little bit light, but I got some cool guests lined up and we have some, some more interesting people uh, that'll be on the show here before too long. And then we're gonna try and get some more uh, Maybe some some like tour content and stuff like that. Uh, maybe some recorded stuff as well. Uh, and then I have another show, uh, a podcast that's going to be all pre-recorded, and you'll understand why when we do it. Um, but I think you guys are going to like it. And uh, we have recorded some content kind of for this before that we never released, and uh, we'll, we'll see how this goes together. But I think it's going to be pretty cool. And I think you guys are going to really enjoy the format. Uh, it's a little bit crazy and a little bit cool. And uh, you're going to hear some cool stories that I don't think you've heard before from people that you guys know. So it's going to be fun. Uh, other than that, um, if you're in the, uh, I believe, was it October 24th? That's the next one. At Yes, is this Halloween? Halloween? Yeah, I think it's October 24th at Baba's Brew House is the next event. I think that we're doing a no. thing. Smoke on the river, that's the 31st. Oh, anyways, there's one on the 24th and one on the 31st. Uh, more information coming soon. But uh, if you want to come hang out, uh, I'll be down there in the southern Oklahoma area. Uh, again, um, doing some more events down there that seems to be the only place really doing a lot of that kind of stuff right now and we're not it's not, a, not super far for us to go so um definitely uh, uh come check us out and come say hi if you're down in, in southern oklahoma um, yeah more more info soon i believe both events are at bubba's brew house but don't quote me on that um yeah i think that's everything for now i appreciate everybody watching i appreciate um uh, Leo taking the time to come on uh, and all the awesome work he's doing there with veterans and uh, to help uh, get all the different things going with his work there in New Jersey. Uh, he, he sounds like he's got a lot of uh, different moving pieces of the puzzle there that he's involved with, which is super awesome. Uh, it's also cool to have, you know, someone like that can have so many different points of perspective to help these different people, especially on the legislative side, because he's working directly with the community, but also with some of these veterans organizations and some of these other groups and you know, seeing things from many different ways that can help, you know, especially better talk to people that maybe are a bit more, more skeptical because he can bring up topics that they can more relate to because he can see it from a lot more different ways. So um, it's really awesome to have those type of advocates out there in the community.
Alrighty, uh, thanks again for watching. You can find out more information from me on uh, potentponics.com, uh, potentponics YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Instagram, all the things. Uh, and uh, we'll be back again.